Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Hello everyone and welcome back to Generation Ag. It is Kayla here today with another fabulous episode. I'm very excited to introduce you to a young West Australian man who has just got a fire in his soul for agriculture and I think his enthusiasm is just infectious. So let me go ahead and introduce you to him now. Lawson Harper grew up on a holistically managed and planned grazed cattle farm in Dandarigan and spent time on his family cattle station three hours west of Wooloona in Western Australia. He was in the first cohort to graduate from the new Associate Degree in Agribusiness offered by Curtin University at Muresk Institute and has since started a Bachelor of Science in Regenerative Agriculture through Southern Cross University. And as if full-time study wasn't enough, Lawson is also working as the head stockman at Sheila Plains, a station in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Aside from his cows, Lawson also loves sharing his passion for agriculture with other youth through his roles with the Muresk Student Association, the Ag Connect WA Committee, and as an ambassador in schools. I really love this chat with Lawson and I'm excited to provide a platform for him to share his story because as you'll hear, he's just so, so passionate. I will, however, let you know, as I mentioned, he is in the Pilbara, so we did have some connection issues as to be expected uh, where he's based, I think, but we persevered and I hope you'll persevere with us um, and I think Regardless, the interview is just fabulous. So here's Lawson. All right. Well, Lawson Harper, welcome to the Generation Ag podcast. So excited to have you. Hi, awesome. Yeah, awesome to have be on here too. I've listened to the Gen Ag podcast for a while now and yeah, it's really awesome to be a part of it. I appreciate that. Start us off, um, tell the listeners who you are and what is your connection to agriculture? Oh, well, um, my name is Lawson Harper and I'm a sixth generation beef farmer, originally from Dandarigan, Western Australia, two and a half hours north of Perth. I grew up on my family's cattle farm and spent a fair bit of time on my family's cattle station, uh, which was Carnegie, three hours east of Wooloona. Um, so I sort of grew up on a, on a cattle farm that's why I love cows well, with my dad so that's sort of like how I started off in, in agriculture originally um so yeah I just have a passion for farming and all things grazing and cattle um but now I'm sort of off the family farm at the moment working elsewhere uh, in the industry tell us a bit more about uh, your childhood growing up on the farm loss and what are some of your really fond memories Oh, wow. I could go on for ages. Um, probably my most fond memories with growing up on the farm, as I'm sure many other farm kids um, like myself can sort of understand, would be sharing that time with your parents that perhaps not like um, not everyone is, is as lucky to do. Like I remember I used to, when I went to school in Mora when I was still in primary school, I used to jump on the school bus every morning around just before seven, so sort of like quarter to seven. And before then, I'd wake up at four in the morning with dad, jump on a quad bike, go out and move a mob of cattle um, every day because we were in a rotational grazing, plan grazing system. So we'd shift them in the morning before school, 
quick wash, jump on the bus, go to school, think about cows all day, come home, jump on the quad bike, go quickly shift the mob before dark with dad. And, um, you know, that was just like heaven. Life couldn't have got any better during those sort of like young years just before you get shipped off to boarding school sort of thing. But yeah, just some amazing moments. And, and um, yeah, just working with your family, I guess, at that young age, you just create such a connection. Do you have siblings, Lawson? Yes, I have three younger brothers, um, so no sisters. So poor mum and dad, and I'm the eldest. <laughs> Your poor mum sounds like. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know how she does it. <laughs> um, so you know, with that kind of childhood on the farm, do you think uh, you always knew what you wanted to do with your life? I, I believe so. I think maybe when I, I sort of talk about this anecdotal, anecdotally, um, I think a lot of farm kids would might relate. Like um, you sort of brought up in it and it's everything and you love it and, we, and like you have your neighbours. I had a couple of really good neighbours next door that were my age or within one or two years. So when we weren't at school, we were working and we weren't working, we were trying to find ways to make trouble on the farm, to wreak havoc to the farm and, you know, make mum and dad's life as difficult as possible. Um, but I think there's a there's a section in your life maybe when you sort of like where you sort of go, is farming really what I want to do? Like you sort of look at, some of your Perth mates or mates from uh, boarding school and what their families do when you stay over other people's houses and go, wow, these guys, like, these guys don't get out of bed until, like, 7 30 in the morning. This is pretty cruisy. And, and like, you know, their dad's always back by 5, you know, comparison to where a lot of our fathers don't get back or mothers too don't get back until very late because that's the nature of the beast in terms of agriculture and working on a farm. But um, I think there was, like, a brief period where I was sort of questioning it a little bit um, but, you know, if it's meant to be, it will be. And I think, yeah, you find out pretty quick whether you have a passion because it's not about the money. It's about the enjoyment that it brings to you. So um, at what age did you go off to boarding school? Uh, I went to boarding school in year eight, which would have made me, oh, golly gosh, you'll make me do some maths. Um, not what I want to do on a Sunday <laughs> about afternoon. About 13, I'd say. Um, yeah, about 13, 14, I think, yes. Yeah, probably, yeah, around that age gap. And what was your experience of boarding school? Oh, I, I'll be completely honest. I, I really hated it for the sort of, well, hate's a strong word. I really disliked it for the first sort of uh, year eight, nine, and, and sort of that those two years, I'm sure a lot of us who have gone to boarding school can understand that kind of sucks. Like you get picked on a lot as, as when you're sort of in those junior years and, and you sort of haven't really found out your friendship groups yet and you sort of like everything's new. Like I went from uh, school in Mora, which was the local, high school or a local primary school to basically um perth which was like a massive shock 11 and 12 but um i definitely just wanted to be back at the farm like uh, any any chance so it's like dad surely there's a cattle truck coming past you i can just jump on and take me home um like yeah it was always sort of a battle to get home <laughs> i can imagine knowing i like i should say for the listeners that you and i know each other personally and and i'm, I'm picturing you as a 14, 15-year-old kid just wanting to get on a cattle truck out of boarding school. So uh, I'm not surprised to hear Oh, I didn't care that. if I had to be in the crate. I didn't care if I had to be in the crate with the cattle. You know, I didn't want to be – I didn't mind if I was in there with them. I just wanted to get home because, um, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, there's some funny stories at, at, at the school I went to. We tried to, um, like, plant wheat crops and lupins and canola. We tried to get a little farming system going because we're all pretty homesick because um, they wouldn't let us have sheep or cattle for some strange reason, don't know why. Um, 
but yeah, it was just a it was just a battle. Yeah, and I think for, you know, I found boarding school a bit tricky at times. Yeah, for sure. What was the journey then uh, into study or university study for you? It's a bit tricky. So um, with I, I went to I went to Guildford in Perth. So they they're not a super sort of like pushy school in terms of ATAR because a lot of boarding schools in Perth can be quite pushy. Um, so we were sort of a bit more free range in what we wanted to do. And I wasn't really sure whether I was university level at all. Um, I didn't think I was, but uh, sort of my parents gently pushed me um, to sort of give it a crack. So I sort of went into university with my ATAR score. Um, and for younger listeners out there too, like, yeah, ATAR is overrated, I think. Um, but you just get, get, get enough to get in. That's all that matters. Once you're in uni, no one ever asks what your ATAR score was again. But that was sort of the went through ATAR score. Um, I did the associate degree agribusiness at Muresk, which was through Curtin. So I applied um, through Curtin University as a Curtin University student. And what attracted you? Well, I think it's good for the listeners to know because um, that associate degree is quite unique, I guess, from some of the other agricultural oh, yeah. uh, degrees on offer here over in WA, but also across the country. So what, what makes the associate degree unique and what attracted you to it? Well, there's sort of two or three things, main things that sort of drew me towards it. Um, one of them would be, which was probably the starter. Well, well, ag in WA is funny. We don't have a lot of universities that are ag-orientated like like they do in the eastern states, obviously. Like we don't have Marcus Oldham or um, uh, a couple of those other campuses that have over east. Muresk is pretty much the only one left. Um, and I really wanted to do ag, and at that stage, um, like, my family had to move on from the farm, the family farm, because of a mixture of issues with live export and uh, family succession and other things that were personal family things, so we decided to, to move on. So I didn't actually have a farm to go back to anymore, which I, um, I'm sure there's people out there maybe listening to this podcast who can share that, like, um, you've grown up on the farm your whole life, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you don't have it to go home to. So all of a sudden you have to think about a different career. And that was really hard off to an extent. So I was like, all right, well, I've got to, that means I can make a career I want in agriculture. I'm going to try and aim as high as I can because um, I'm not the most academic person ever, but I try pretty hard. And that's all that matters, I guess, for other listeners too who are perhaps looking to doing uni or whatnot. But I thought, all right, we'll start with a degree and see if I can pass that. And Muresk, my dad went to Muresk uh, in the 80s, or the uh, sort of 85 and 6, I think he went in. He'll probably correct me later on. Um, and he always talked about Muresk in very fond memories and um, lots of other stuff too, but he really valued his time there. So I thought, oh, Muresk is a pretty good st- spot to start. And I was the first cohort of the associate degree and it was only two years. That didn't seem that long um, and that seemed pretty achievable for, for me. So that's sort of what drew me towards it. And also the reputation of Mures, which it still upholds today, and the experience, like the opportunity to get um, different hands-on experience. Because I grew up on a cattle farm, so my experience of like cropping and um, sheep was like fairly not as much as cattle. I did driven plenty of tractors, but didn't have the understanding that they like other people do. So I think that's kind of what drew me towards it. And it is a pretty pretty good place. I definitely recommend it for anyone sort of looking to do some study uh, in the agricultural sort of area compared to like maybe studying in the city where you get an ag business degree, but perhaps you don't get that exposure, especially if you're not from a farming background. Yeah, I think it's pretty important to note and it's a huge selling point for Muresk that 
you're actually studying on farm. Your eskies are working farm. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. They're, they're, uh, you can walk out the out of the classroom and go in the paddock if you want. Um, you might get electrocuted if you touch the wrong fence, but you can you can go for your life. Like, and they're very inclusive. Very inclusive there. You can. Yeah, it's, that's a big selling point, isn't it? Yeah, it, no, it is, um, and and a beautiful spot located not too far out of Perth at all. No, no, it's very close. So you finished your associate degree. What was going through your brain at that time? Like you, you've done two years of study. You know, you must reach this bit of um, a diverging point, I guess, between because the associate degree is is a fantastic pathway into studying a full bachelor's degree, but also you're super work ready when you finish that course as well. So what was going through your mind? I was going to go on and go to Curtin and, and do the extra year and a half, two years, whatever it specifically was. Pretty keen on that. But um, to work, when I was going through uni and um, like I was able to stay at mum and dad's place, so they've got a little sort of like hobby farm uh, sort of between Northam and and, um, and Mundaring sort of ways. So they, I had a place to stay in food, but I had to pay everything myself. So I was working while studying at Muresk because Muresk was only sort of like Monday, Tuesday, the occasional Wednesday, and then I was working the occasional Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, and sometimes weekends doing a lot of fencing, stock work, um, spraying, spreading, like whatever I could find around the northern York and Beverly areas and the Avon in the Avon regions, and started doing crutching runs so like down by Wickerpen um, and that area, just trying to get cash in. Uh, as many people would understand, it's quite difficult to study and um, and live and make money. So. When I finished, it was kind of like, yeah, it was a really big point. It's like, well, I'm still not too bad with the books and, you know, I'm, I think I can go on maybe, but I'm kind of really keen to work and, and get the bank balance up and, and enjoy a little bit. But um, I sort of looked back at it and weighed up my options and decided that um, I wanted to study another degree. I wanted to get ag science as well. I thought that was a pretty good, like, gives you all the, all the weapons in your arsenal. To, to attack the industry really because ag business is great but I thought let's diversify a bit um, and I think the associate degree itself is a pretty good standalone degree um, so I thought well let's go do two years of this ag science because of my credits from Curtin because Nuresk is um, the course is offered by Curtin at Nuresk you get the credits of a of Curtin University which is an you know, internationally renowned university um, so it's basically two years to do this ag science degree instead of three so I chopped the year off so four years two degrees rather than sort of three years one degree then another two years then another one and it just sort of made sense at that point I thought well I'm kind of in the habit of studying and working. Talk to us about um, yeah you're going on to study uh, at that second degree tell us about that degree and and again what attracted you to it? Um, so the second degree is a Bachelor of Science in regenerative agriculture offered by Southern Cross University in Lismore, uh, some New South Wales, which is a bit of a daily commute. So I decided to do it online. Um, and that is sort of like a Bachelor of Science of Ag Science, but specialising in the regenerative ags aspect. And I know that's sort of like a very controversial topic, um, but I'm really enjoying it so far because the farm I grew up on, my dad and I ran this holistic management plan grazing operation which essentially is sort of a more complex and um, uh, sharper version of rotational grazing. It's, it's a very detailed, based off um, Alan Savory's book on holistic management and, and so forth. Um, so I, I was drawn, drawn to that because I wanted to do ag science, but I wanted to do something that I was a bit more passionate about because ag science great, but 
I'm really interested in, in this space, in re- region ag space, and, and particularly I love grazing management. And reading through the degree, sound like it, it had it there in several pages all, to, all about grazing management. I was like, all right, sign me up. Twist my rubber arm. I'm, I'm in for that. Um, so I was drawn towards it because I wanted to sort of learn more about that space. My exposure, exposure to region ag was so far only through um, my dad, my family, and, and his practices, and I wanted to see what other people were getting up to, and what they class as region. Um, so to become qualified in that, I guess if if the region ag space comes out and it is as big as it seems to be and successful and and viable and, and all those sort of things, I think it'd be pretty awesome to be qualified in that area. And perhaps maybe do some consulting of some sort. Um, because of my experience with it so far, but that's kind of what drew me towards. It's something different. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty big topic at the moment. Um, we all know, like, we've got to keep changing our practices and, and evolving with agriculture. So perhaps it's time to look at the ball a bit differently and look outside the box. So that's yeah, that's what drew me towards it. And they sold it pretty well, so I wanted to sign up. That's awesome. Uh, I, look, you know regen ag or not i think you know you come out of that kind of qualification with some really really employable skills uh and and a lot of the practices and techniques are are viable in a regenerative system or not um and that knowledge is just so good for you to have yes most certainly yeah so how are you finding and we'll get we'll get into your work in a minute but you're obviously studying remotely how are you finding that as different from um attending uni at um your I think um, it's really difficult and I, I take my hats off to the people who have done online study um, for a lot longer than, than, than I. Uh, it's quite um, a skill that sometimes I'm really good at and sometimes I'm not very flash at. Um, so I find it difficult because you have to, you, so your social life sort of changes a bit. University, university especially in the like we had a pretty tight-knit team. There were some really really awesome fellas and ladies at Muresk who just, you know, even if you were having a pretty slow, it always happened. You'd always have lunch together, of course. Um, and sort of so some really close-knit friends if you're going to do online uni. You have to go out and you have to socialise. Otherwise, you can get stuck in your, in your bedroom or your office or your study and become really unproductive because you just, yeah, it's just a bit of a cycle and most people would know it with procrastination. So it's hard, especially in the Pilbara where I am, internet makes life very very difficult at the best of times <laughs> yeah I, I, we're ha- we've been having some fun on this recording as we talk so we will persevere <laughs> Lawson he's just had to change <laughs> recording modes again um tell, tell us where you're working right now and what why are we having so many internet issues <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't answer that one for you the internet issues anyway I've been trying to figure it out for a long time um so yeah, I'm, I'm working at a cattle station in the Pilbara at the moment, Chiller Plain Station, um, which is 90 kilometres west of Parabadoo. Um, so I started here in February. Uh, yes, yeah, so in February. Um, and I knew I went to school with the Pensini boys um, and sort of knew of them. And Evan and Robin came past my house one day and picked up uh, their younger son, Preston, who's good mates with my second brother third brother oh well he's number three in the lineup anyway uh and they're best mates so yeah they offered me saying do you want to come work as the head stockman and i sort of thought about it, like ah 
No, no, because I plan to just sort of um, do farm contract work like I had for the last two years and just study online in Perth and and do it that way. But after sort of a bit of thinking and and, uh, thinking about it all, Evan and Robin run a very unique operation up here. Um, So, yeah, I've had a big big think about it and I thought, all right, let's do it. So I um, loaded up my highlights with my swag and all my essential gear and uh yeah did the 1500k trip up to the pilbara and um yeah i've been here since february i've come home twice in in that time so it's been pretty pretty hectic but they they run a sort of a rotational grazing system here with single wire electric fencing so it's ran a lot differently to most stations they're still sort of the the normal conventional side of the station with some of the country that we can't fence like that but along the fertile river river flats and the river floodplains we've um fence it all off and yeah we're able to run cattle uh, in a rotational grazing system which is very similar to how we did back in Dandarian so it's all very familiar and yeah it's awesome it's just a totally different lifestyle up here. You must be learning so much. Yeah yeah well like I thought yeah I was perhaps a little bit sort of um, uh, too self-confident in, in what I knew already um, but you always learn more like it doesn't matter if you know everything you always learn more because everyone runs things differently. Um, and this system working on it would probably never, ever work. Um, just due to the nature of the beast, you know, uh, cattle stations and their climate are so unpredictable sometimes. And, you know, it's just a totally different, it's a different world, really. But I've learned, yeah, so much. Um, it's, it's unbelievable and how well it can work up here. And, yeah, I mean, I'm ha- going to have a pretty hard time leaving this place. It's just absolutely gorgeous. For the listeners who may be uh, unfamiliar with the scale of the Pilbara, you know, like talk to us distances, size, like how far to go to the pub and all those sort of important things. Well, it depends what pub you want to go to. Um, we're pretty lucky here. Uh, we're not very far off, off the bitch. Uh, to sort of talk of scale for a second, this pastoral lease here is around 500,000 acres. So that's what we graze um, at Chila Plains. So... Ah, it's so difficult to, to give scale. Like you just It sounds like numbers, but like um, two towns, 90 kilometres, which is about an hour. Uh, that's the Parabadu. Tom Price is an hour and a half, half of its gravel. Um, I was, we're pretty lucky. Like my cattle station, owned, it was three hours to Waluna, so um, a little bit further, so we're pretty lucky here. But like um, for me to go, for example, my boar run, which I'll be doing tomorrow, I'll go to North Marbu, Horseshoe and Mount Wall. Um, to go out to Mount Wall is like 43 kilometres from camp. Like, that's just to go check water. So if I forget something, uh, I have to turn around. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it, it's just so hard to believe. Some of us, I think our smallest paddock is about 150 hectares. And, uh, yeah, I biggest I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's really cool. Talk to us about, um, I mean, you told us you're out for a boar run tomorrow, but um, what's a day in the life like for someone who's studying remotely and working full-time on a cattle station? Well, um, at the moment, it's a little bit different because we, we've stopped, like the work sort of died off a bit. Um, to give a little bit of background to the listeners, uh, Chilla Plains adjusts most of their cattle. So we, we've had cattle from other cattle stations, for example, like uh, we've had cattle from Glenflory, Willembury, Yulene and Kadari station which are all still in the Pilbara um so 
we've sort of de-stocked a fair bit now because we didn't receive the rain that everyone else did and the uh, cattle the cattle were ready to go home um, and they wanted them back on their stations because they had a fair bit of rain. So at the moment it's pretty casual, but in the sort of the peak season where we had sort of three and a half thousand, four thousand head of cows and, and bulls, not including, you know, calves and wieners, uh, the typical day would, would consist of... Um, depending on the particular day, but most of it would be shifting a mob of cattle uh, on a motorbike. Um, we do use horses a fair bit, but motorbikes are sort of the most convenient method because you can put the motorbike on the back of the ute and cart it to, you know, 40 k's away or 60 k's away or wherever you need to go. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I'd shift a cat- mob of cattle early in the morning, which was the Willembury mob, and they were 835 cows and about 15 herd bulls. And I'd move, I'd uh, move them from one peak to the next. So I'd go set up the cell centre, uh, change the tapes around. Then I'd lift up the fence because it's only single wire electric fence. We pick it up with PVC pipes, and um, they would start walking under. And I'd sort of go around the perimeter of the paddock on the motorbike and, and grab the lazy ones or the ones that were trying to hide, and sort of push them towards the other paddock. And they'd go under. I'd drop the fence and. I'd uh, leave them in there for however many days I need to be in there because we graze according to the size of the paddock and we graze to the amount of feed there. So whether there's a higher percentage of like native perennials or native annuals or if it's more buffalo grass in that paddock or sort of we, we graze to that and we don't want to overgraze. Um, that's our primary focus is basically we undergraze everything uh, for good reason too. So and then... Once you finish moving the mob, depending whether you had one or two mobs to move that day, um, you'd sort of be checking water, running electric fence lines. So you'd be going along the electric fence looking for faults or broken wires, because it does happen, or broken insulators. Being ready for times of setting up new water points, and then often you'd get to a new water point uh, and something would be wrong, like the trough would have a hole in it somehow, or the fence is broken, because, you know, we do have wild... Uh, donkeys and, and dogs and we get the very very occasional camel that gets lost and roams through so you know, there is damage to, to infrastructure here and there and they did have a couple of floods um a little while back so we're still sort of cleaning up from that so yeah most of the day can and checking cattle you know it's pretty important to sort of get out in the mob uh, i often go to a water point and just sort of sit there with them and, and watch uh, the cattle come in to drink uh, at their peak times when they're sort of padding in for water because um, you can pick up a lot from what they're doing. If there's one with a limp or one with an injury, or you can see one that's having difficulty carving, the sort of things you need to do as a stockman. Um, so that was sort of like what the what a normal day was. At the moment, I'm sort of just doing mainly bull runs because what cattle are left are sort of out in open paddocks at the moment. They're not in sort of the cell setup and the grazing setup yet. Uh, so because that's all under rest. So I sort of just go out for boar runs, check boars, make sure we're having a lot of cattle calved down at the moment because uh, the herd bulls are in there all year round. So just checking that no cows are having any issues, especially the heifers and the first timers. Um, but yeah, there's like always stuff. We're always building, um, like at the moment, we're actually building a new solar setup uh, for solar energy on the station. So yeah, I think we just dug 16 holes. For, for the poles, for the solar panels, for the new ones. So there's always stuff. You're always going to build stuff because you're going to build it yourself because it's too expensive to buy or too expensive to get up here. That sounds like a lot, but also very exciting at the same time. I feel like, um, is your plan to be up there for the two years while you're doing your um, bachelor's degree? 
No, no, I'm looking into sort of other avenues of work at the moment um, because it is so dry here in comparison to everywhere else. And um, like hats off to Evan with his grazing management. Um, you know, they really don't want to overgraze. So for them, it's best to just sort of, you know, uh, track all the cattle out because they, they do belong to other stations of cattle and they're just paying a rate for them to be here and sort of just let the station sit idle while they continue on with their contract work because they do contract work on site rehab and they also have a tourist operation here so a bit of a plug but if you're going to the Pilbara we go from Exmouth to Karajini stopping at Chilla Plains to have a station stay here it's awesome it's terrific um, great food by the way too makes it very hard to lose weight um, so yeah I'm not quite not sure exactly yet uh, looking at sort of uh, a bit of study just to sort of knock off the last year this year and, and next that's Awesome, Lawson. This has been so interesting. Uh, I'm going to change tack a little bit now and I want to ask you about, you know, you've been heavily involved in student committees and youth organisations, you know, when you're at your Maria, sorry, Muresk, you're involved with the student association there and now you're the president of the Ag Connect Committee here in WA. Um, what what really motivates you to be a part of those sorts of organisations? Essentially, like, I get pretty excited about these sort of things. I'm the sort of person who gets very excited um, about events and about opportunities, not just for me, for other people. Um, I'm really passionate about trying to get people outside of ag um, who perhaps haven't come from a farming background involved in ag. There's some great examples even within our Ag Connect uh, committee of people who have achieved that. But um, I started off at Mures with some of the stepping stone. Uh, the Charles Sturt had just sort of left. Their last cohort had left Muresk and we were the first cohort and it was sort of like a case of no one else had put up their hand yet um, and I was like, all right, I'll give it a crack. I've sort of got no real experience doing any of this sort of stuff before. I was, I was a bit scared and, and quite daunted by the whole thing but um, just wanted to see Muresk sort of live up to its name a little bit and, and get sort of functions happening and people meeting people. Um, so, yeah, I threw my hat in the ring and organised a few really cool events that happened with, with also with Ag Connect prior to me being uh, being on the committee there and, and some other like careers in grain also had our ball and, you know, we had a ball too. It was, um, yeah, just sort of getting getting involved in Ag Connect was sort of the same thing. Like I, I'd sort of come to a lot of events over the last couple of years at Ag Connect and thought it was awesome and thought, oh, it'd be really cool to be on the committee one day. And um, the previous president, Tiff, Tiffany Davey, um, she sort of said, would you like to get involved? And it sort of just went from there. And it's been an awesome opportunity. I'm very grateful for it. Because, um, yeah, WA is a very big state and we're all very spread out. And it's like sometimes very difficult for us uh, in ag to sort of connect because we're so far apart. And I think this is a really good opportunity to sort of bring people together. Like, um, you know, I'm interacting. I'm going to cattle station in the Pilbara and I'm you know interacting with people from estaurants I just think that's a terrific sort of uh, opportunity for people you know it's just links and connections everywhere because we're all it's a small industry as like people maybe my age or older or younger than me as we go forth and as being professionals in the industry we're all going to know each other and it's really important we sort of make these good uh, connections now so when we you know 20 years down the track we know each other well and we've built this really good professional relationship and, and so forth. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment 100%. Um, really well said. You, We've also had the, I guess, the pleasure of starting to work together through your role as an ambassador for the Prime Project um, that I manage. And 
I want to know, like, you're, I know having worked with you over the last couple of years, like you're always the first one to put your hand up and it's obviously you're so passionate about um, bridging that rural-urban divide, particularly with young people. You know, where does that come from, do you think? Well, yeah, it's a funny thing. Quick, just quickly, too, on that note, um, like putting your hand up for stuff, I encourage people to give it a crack. Oh, I, I, I put my hand up for a lot of stuff and I don't think... I don't do it thinking I'm going to be good at it. I know I'm probably going to be pretty rusty to start with. I'm always, you know, pretty terrified by the idea of putting your hand up first, but I encourage people to do it because, like, you know, I don't, it took a lot of courage for me to do it and it's paid off so far, so I really encourage people to do it. Anyway, that's just a sort of like a little motivational plug for people. I really like trying to inspire people. But in terms of um, of the Primes Project and stuff, um, I specifically remember going through school, a boarding school, at Guildford and, and meeting, you know, the day boys, because at that stage Guildford was only for only boys, um, and meeting these kids who sort of like had no idea about farming. And, and I know it was a bit biased because I was off the farm. I was like, how can you not know about it? Like, I know about what your parents do roughly. I know what an electrician does and I don't know everything, but I, I know bits about their work and stuff and what their life may be like and what they contribute to society. So why does no one know about farmers? Like, and I, during that time I grew up, like watching the live export ban happen, which really affected my family um, badly, being having a cattle station and a cattle farm, or literally the, probably the worst spot to be in. Um, and I remember going to those um, rallies with my father, and I was probably, I was quite young, probably 12, 13. And I remember specifically this one image that's burned in my brain of these, these mob of young ladies who had these signs up, you know, like red meat is is, you know, murder and, and all those sort of, of those signs. And they were yelling at this old farmer. Um, he was old to me. He's probably only, you know, 50, 60. And this bloke was sort of, you know, here at the rally, a farmer obviously wanting to support, you know, not banning live export. I just remember they were screaming and yelling at him and I was young. I just couldn't understand it. I was like, why, why are people so angry? I, like they, they probably don't even know that maybe they've never been on a farm. They're, and I always used to really offend me and people got upset at farmers because like, I love my cattle. My dad loves his cattle. You know, like people are passionate about the animals because if you weren't, you wouldn't do it and you wouldn't make any money. Um, and it always confused me growing up and it really upset me. So I always thought I want to make a change to that. I wasn't sort of sure where to start. But I, then I remember going through school and, you know, there wasn't much in ag. There was nothing. There was nothing about farming at all. Um, There's no mention in any of my classes. Um, there's maybe the very occasional mention in a negative limelight, like, oh, cattle emit this much methane gas and this is terrible. Sort of like, made you feel really bad about being a farmer at the best of times. So, yeah, I just wanted to get involved and, and sort of teach kids possibly about one ag, like where your food comes from and the actual reality of it because often there's a skewed reality by People are perhaps trying to paint a poor picture of agriculture, whatever their, you know, whatever their drive may be or their reasoning, and also just sort of like promote careers because I think people get caught up who may not have so much exposure to thinking that you're sitting on an old tractor with your overalls on with the wheat hanging out your mouth. Like it's so much more than just being a farmer. There's so many career opportunities um, and you don't need to grow up in farming. As you know, like, you're an advocate of this too. Um, everyone is like, it's just an amazing industry to be in. So I thought, oh, what's the better way to you know, start than to start with kids and sort of show them and see if they get interested because 
kids love animals and, and you know, kids have always sort of, ex- ones that I've talked to have always expressed interest in ag but just sort of don't know enough about it. Um, and I did a couple of careers days uh, with Muresk, like I went to Guildford, I went to Scotch, Hale, uh, PLC, MLC, all those uh, schools in Perth and sort of like talked with Muresk to, to kids and even talked to some other schools that came to Muresk, they were ag schools like Harvey, Morrow, Cundy, um, Cumberland, I should say, sorry, that came to the auditorium in Muresk and I sort of talked to them about like my little journey so far and I was only sort of like a year or two in and just sort of like how lucky I was and, you know, I didn't think I was special at all. I was like, well, if I can do this, then you guys can do like this and so much more. So there's a long-winded answer to a short question, but I just really want to um, just make a change, I guess, because it's, yeah, I feel like um, sometimes there's not always a lot of young people entering the industry, and I want to make a change to that. And it's positive, like, you know, we should really strive to create that relationship with, with people from the city and um, show them what we're about. It sounds like you approach the whole idea of um, communicating about agriculture with young audiences in particular with, with an air of positivity and enthusiasm. And, and I, I guess I wanted to ask, you know, you're, are you hopeful? Would you describe yourself as hopeful when talking about the future of, of the industry and who's going to be involved and, and that there is going to be, uh, I guess, some... Um, popularity building when it comes to primary industries, do you think? Yeah, you've got to be hopeful in everything. I mean, like, geez, you've got to have a pretty good attitude, especially when you do fencing all day. You've got to be really optimistic because otherwise it gets pretty dire pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, oh, God, I do not love fencing, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, anyway, I tell my boss I love it. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, it's like uh, most things in life, things are going to get Things tend to get like bad before they get better, and you can see there's sort of like a trend in agriculture where, like, maybe back in our farms, like, was a mine where everyone knew a farmer, everyone was connected to like um, small farmers because of so many different reasons, which I don't really need to go into. But most people know, like, you know, smaller farm sizes were more productive, you know, more families in the regions, like there was just more farmers and more people and. And there was more interaction and the divide wasn't so great. And, for example, Perth wasn't so huge back then. You know, my grandfather tells me stories of him, you know, shifting mobs to Sunbrook is or, like, where parts of Guildford are. Like, it's just crazy how big Perth become. Totally different story, though. But, um, yeah, I think really difficult one to touch. And I think um, the best way to start with, with the kids and, and make it positive and make it, like, exciting and, and um, encouraging and, Involving for them because um, that's how yeah that's how we start because perhaps maybe they've been taught something in school or haven't been taught enough and and sort of got the wrong end of the stick through social media because I feel like social media is such a powerful tool that gets it abused sometimes by people who probably don't have the best interest at heart and people form their opinions um, not their fault that they form them but form these opinions of farming that. You know, we're criminals. You know, start at the bottom and work your way up, I guess, with the kids who, who you're able to sort of go, man, look at this, look how cool this is, or, and encourage them. So you've got to be positive. You gotta, yeah, you've got to look at things a bit differently. Like, if, if it's not working, like, if, you, if you've got a track of bogs and you keep spinning your wheels and you've been doing that half an hour and all of a sudden, but you're somewhere like, well, what are you going to do? You can't keep trying that. It's not going to work. Just try something else. And that's sort of like I try to bring that fresh breath of positivity. I, mean, I struggle with it. Like, um, you know, it's difficult to be 
that positive, especially sometimes. And you know, we all we all know this as, as farmers, people involved in ag. If, if you've dealt with this, like sometimes it's really hard when people have your back up against the wall and the sort of like accusing you of these things of being a being a farmer involved in agriculture or primary industries. But I think, yeah, I think we're on the up. I really, I hope we are. Like, um, there's just so much demand and there's so much new technology in the industry, as everyone knows. There's all these things that, um, these new careers that are being built or ones that don't even exist that we're going to need to fill. Um, and I just think it's just amazing opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bit of long-winded. I apologise. You know, I get very excited and passionate about it. Like, no, we love that. That's awesome, Lawson. Um, you know, you just mentioned careers. Where do you see yourself in, say, 10 years from now? Oh, um, hopefully with cattle. I love cattle. But um, look, I, I, I'm not sure I really love my, my ultimate dream and being truthfully honest here is to, to run a farm with my father again. Um, like, I don't care I don't care where, as long as it rains. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and do it with him again because those are the moments in my childhood that I just I cherish uh, so much and I want to relive them with him so badly. And, you know... Hopefully, I'll have my own farm again. But in the meantime, I'm sort of seeing myself as of, 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 of maybe farm manager or maybe station manager, I'm not sure, but mainly perhaps consulting. Very interesting in ag, in this region ag space. And I believe I have, you know, I'm building experiences there and building credibility and part of this degree as well. And working on like this station, for example, awesome example. People say, oh, region ag will only work in places of high rainfall, e.g. Harvey or Dardanup or, you know, Denmark or, or whatever you want to say. And this is a prime example that that's not true. It works here. Like, you know, look where we are. Our average rainfall is 288 mils, so it's not great. But, you know, so I really want to consult and sort of like, I mean, if I ran my own farm, per say, and I did the best region practice in the world, how great, like my farm would be awesome. I'd make heaps of money. Woohoo. But I think, like, I'd rather have an impact. I'd rather not run my own region farm and help people run their theirs, like run maybe help people run fifty people maybe say, consult their farms. Like that's just fifty farms I've impacted uh, instead of just one. <laughs> well, Lawson, I have no doubt you will have an impact one way or another. And I so so appreciate you sharing that with us. Our last question we always finish on is if someone has connected with your story, wants to know more about you, Lawson, how can they do that? Um, feel free to shoot me an email. It's just probably the most direct way of doing it. Uh, and I'm sure my email will be in the in the notes, but it's just lawson.harper1364 at gmail.com. Or if you want to add me on Instagram and shoot me a message there or Facebook, I don't mind. Um, you can find me on Facebook if you want. I'm really, like, if anyone's got any questions or wants to, like, help with any opportunities, like, even if you're... Perhaps got like a little bit of like an example, a little bit of tractor experience, and you want to do harvest. Well, shoot me a message, and I'll find you a job. Like, uh, there's so many people looking for work this this year, especially harvest. We're so understaffed in in all WA. Um, or if someone just wants to talk, like I'm always, I'm I'm pretty busy, but I always make time for people who who want to chat. I just um, you know, how it works. I had I was very lucky to have some amazing people mentor me or be there for me to chat to about stuff or to talk or ideas um you know add me shoot me a message whatever i don't mind i'd love to talk on the phone um catch up in person i just want to help people so yeah if you're around perth get down to the next ag connect sundowner which we're having one in uh in perth 
next month. The date escapes my brain at the moment. I'm sitting on a rock in the middle next to the phone tower, so I can't get the date. I'm sorry. But, yeah, just shoot us a message on there. I'd love to talk to you guys. Uh, awesome, Lawson, and I'm sure we'll share that as well. Um, thank you so much for persevering with our connection issues and for just being so willing and keen to jump on uh, and sit with me today. No worries, and thank you for the time, and, and um, you know, thanks for the podcast. You, you do a really good job, and, um, yeah, thanks for listening because it's good to be, like, we're just so lucky now in this day and age that we can connect like this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.